Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It is the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Straight Red Podcast and my sixth attempt of doing this intro. We've got all the usuals for you, match reviews, matches coming up, the season so far, transfer window roundup and of course the most favourite segment of it all, the return of Broadfield Buzz. Yes, hello and welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. I'm Jonathan and Ewan is uh, but an internet connection away from me. Ewan, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not sounding too glitchy today, which is good. And it's only been, what is it, three weeks since our last podcast? It's it's almost back to normal. What's going (laughs) on? I think about 20 20 days or so. That's not not too bad, considering the, the fix of respondents that have gone on. So... We're just about keeping well and sane during uh, lockdown so far, and we've got a, uh, a familiar format to dive back into. So shall we start off with a bit of feedback, a bit of boosting our egos after being out of the podcast game for a while. Everyone's still a fan, which is good to hear. So Ivan Noll, he listened to the podcast while um, walking his dog. So that's always, always good to know. I, I think someone else, I can't see the comment here in front of me, but I think someone else was listening to our podcast to make them go to sleep. Well, um... Take that as a positive. Uh, I, do you know what? Well, I am currently listening to Barack Obama's book while I go to sleep. And I think it's a fantastic book. It's not a, it's not an insult whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. Um, Steve, CTFC83, said another great listen, lads. And uh, round four, upwards, only winners get the uh, the prize money. I think that was a little conversation oh, we yeah, had, yeah. had last podcast, whether Sorry. if you you know, win or make it through to round four and, and upwards, whether you get any money, uh, whether you lose or not. Um, Roy Savage, another great listen. Like you, you and I let out an expletive when the draw was made and I even turned over once we had come out the hat. And unlike you, I am still underwhelmed. Did he say what he turned over to? <laughs> Just something yeah. something other than the draw, I think. It's like Antiques Roadshow, 7pm on a Monday, isn't it? <laughs> Well, Roy, let us know if you were watching Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> the filming company got in touch as well to say, nice to hear your thoughts and feelings from Sunday's epic thrashing at home. Can't wait for the next roundup. Well, here is our next roundup. Phil Brogio, welcome back, guys. Agree, just listening to that commentary alone gives me goosebumps. Looking forward to the next one. Maybe not such a uh, positive podcast this time, but we'll dig into that in a second. Neil Hobbs, great listen, lads. Please keep them coming. Barry Jones, well done, guys. Another great listen. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing you again once we beat Bournemouth. Barry, I think you might have wah, jinxed that wah. one. <laughs> Colin Lewis, another top show, guys. Roll on the next one. Oh, here it is. Malcolm, bedtime listening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Did he wake up? <laughs> well, uh, he didn't reply, so we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, and, of course, Mike Doby got in touch as well. The... Um, the, the local musician who uh, who made that wonderful new Red song um, about our FA Cup run. We played it at the end of last, last podcast, so give it a listen too if you haven't already. He got in touch to uh, to just uh, give his thanks for, for, for playing that out and also just show his love for the town and, and for the club as well, which is always nice to see. I I, I didn't see it on the iTunes um, top songs list over the last few weeks, unfortunately. Maybe if we had made it to the fifth round, that, that might have been a, a possibility. Maybe. Uh, that, that's probably enough of massaging our, our major egos. Shall we jump in, get it out of the way, the FA Cup? Yeah, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? And so many people alluded to it there in, in, the, in the feedback, but Ewan, out of the FA Cup, are you, what, what's, what's the overriding feeling from it? My overriding feeling is, what a fantastic season of FA Cup glory for Crawley Town. It has been such a long time, and I'm just being specific to the FA Cup here. Of course, we had the fantastic run in the Carabao last year. But there is nothing for an English football fan that compares to the FA Cup. And getting to round three, having that fantastic win, um, will live long in the memory. A lot of the people are saying that is absolutely true. It's just incredible. It's still heartbreaking that we couldn't be there, but we got to see it. And that was great. And thanks to the BBC for, for showing it live, of course. And then 
from the moment the balls come out the hat for the fourth and fifth round draw, for me, it went really flat. Regardless of the game against Bournemouth, the magic went when we didn't get a really big Premier League team. Um, of course, we went to Bournemouth all in high spirits, nine games unbeaten in cup and league. It was all going very, very nicely. And let's not forget, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, although we've beaten a Premier League team. This is still Bournemouth. It's still top end of the championship. It's still a massive team. So to go there and expect maybe to get two consecutive massive wins, we were well within our right to have that belief. But we shouldn't be massively disappointed going down 2-1. One all with half an hour to go um, against Bournemouth away from home. Still massive credit to all the players, everybody working behind the team, the owners, Erdem, Zaya Aaron, etc., etc. We can look on that back on that campaign with so much pride. It's over now, disappointing, but it's 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 never nice to go out of a cup. You you unless you win it, you can't end it in a nice way. But looking at it on a whole, um, a wonderful, wonderful couple of months um, during lockdown when it could be. And is, of course, for millions of people, a very sad, depressing, anxious time to have that spark of excitement given to us um, by the club has been uh, really very thankful for. And also, you can't forget the build up to the to the fourth round either. I know that John Yems, from a lot of the interviews he's done, you know, won't care about the, the circumstances that led up to the fixture. But it was a rearranged tie because there was a bit of a COVID outbreak in, in the Crawley camp which took out, I think, about five or so players. A few of those, you know, big names that would be starting in the lineup, notably two defenders as well. So we saw changes in, in the Crawley backline, Adebowale and McNerney coming into the squad. Both players who, who can play football, but they haven't really been there for Crawley on a regular basis uh, in, in recent times. And so, you know, there's changes like that. And also the fact that they hadn't played a game for such a long time. And, and because of the COVID outbreak, they hadn't been in regular training. They, um, I think John Yen spoke in, in interviews that they had been doing some Zoom fitness sessions and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I know as a professional, you, you keep yourself ticking over and stuff, but it's never quite the same um, to be training with the squad together um, when you've got such a big FA Cup fixture coming up that you, you, you've got to play in together. And, and I would as a Crawley fan, say that that would have some sort of influence on, on how you perform, surely. Yeah, I think there's no doubt whatsoever. A lot of teams were in exactly the same scenario. We were seeing lots of games cancelled um, because of COVID, just as this one wasn't cancelled, it was postponed, of course, or, or, or rearranged. Um, and it's going to affect everybody. Um, and I, I think we dealt with it very well. Again, 2-1 is, is a... Is a it's a good scoreline for Crawley Town to go, to go down to a top of the championship team. Um, again, it's it's disappointing to be out, but you know you deal with the circumstances that are put in your put in your hands, and um, the, you do the best you can. I don't think Bournemouth played an absolutely top flight team against us. Um, I think it was nice. It was fairly nice to see like Wilshire out there um, playing against Crawley. Those are nice ones for the t- for the boys um, on the pitch as well to play against players like that. So there was definitely a lot of credit given to Crawley, but it wasn't utterly full strength and neither were we. And the only way we were probably going to win that game if, if it was flipped the other way. They had a lot of players out, didn't play their full strength, didn't play their best. And against Leeds, like we did previously, we gave absolutely everything. Full strength squad. Um, that would have probably been the only way we were going to want to win that game. Yeah, and I, I think... Probably there could have been a, a bigger hammering for Crawley if it wasn't for our, our star man, Glenn Morris, between the sticks. He, he was, it was a save upon save. I was listening to the, to the radio coverage on BBC Five Live and yeah, the, the amount of times that they mentioned Morris's name, the amount of times that there was a shotgun and I thought it was going to be a goal and it's Morris who turns it round, round the post to keep things um, in Crawley's favour or, or slightly keeping them in, in the game still, which is always great to hear. Also, the um, the radio coverage I was listening to is, is quite funny at certain points of the game. There was a lot of, um, I think there was a lot of the Crawley travelling contingent backroom staff sat right behind the commentators. And you could just hear a, a load of shouting and screaming and the commentators chuckled a few times. 
the, the, some of the clean things that they did repeat on air was um, someone called the ref a donut. Um, there was, uh, I think, a, a lot more um, expletives used by some people, but uh, it <laughs> makes you chuckle, doesn't it? Um, I suppose good to hear that the Crawley backroom staff were getting so behind their team. Yeah, we've, we've seen that throughout the cup, and especially in the Leeds game afterwards in the changing room. Um, I think that was framed upon a little bit afterwards, especially because of the COVID outbreak. Maybe too many people in there than should have been. But hey, you know what? Looking at it sort of um, legally, maybe there shouldn't have been too many people in there. But sometimes, you know, sod it. This is an absolutely historic game. Get everybody in there, celebrate and then get out. Um, but yeah, the, the the whole backroom staff team. I I always love it when you see on away games how many of them travel to the games, and our games are a long way away. So um, yeah, absolutely hats off to every member of the backroom staff that, that gets to all those away games. So my overriding feeling from things is I feel that that's a bit of a missed opportunity. Not gonna lie, there's a bit of me that's still hurting. It is good to get to the fourth round, but I think. How the game played itself out with uh, with Tom Nichols after Nadison closed down Begovic, thought that potentially could have been a goal there. Great save from Begovic. Yeah. Um, possible penalty decision that went against Crawley as well. I know that they did score after that, but then the Crawley goal that did happen, I think, was proved as offside. There was no VAR, so the referee couldn't overturn that decision in our benefit again. <laughs> so I suppose we won't dwell on that too much. I wonder I wonder also how much effect the fifth round draw had on it as well. If we knew we were playing Man United or Chelsea or somebody in the fifth round, would they have played slightly differently? I don't know. Um if you if you're own if you're only going to play Fulham or Burnley in the fifth round, then it's it's not much of a carrot being dangled in front of you, is it? No, and I think at the time when they were playing this match, they knew it was going to be a Burnley side that they were going to be facing as well. So, you know, that, that narrows that down on that sense as well. Well, I suppose we'll never know, really. And if you ever ask John Yems, he'll tell you to um, go suck on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he'll tell you. He'll tell you something uh, that probably won't be a, um, very uh, PG. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, do you know what? One thing, one thing, one thing we haven't even mentioned... Um... Of course, no Max Waters. Yeah, yeah. I was going to leave that for the for the uh, transfer window update. But yes, Max Max Waters obviously n- no longer a red. And and in our last podcast, we did hint at the fact that he he might be leaving. And well, he has. Let's uh, let's continue that conversation later then. Yes. So the FA Cup, regardless of I suppose of how we're feeling from it, it was still a great thing for the town, especially during during the pandemic as well. So. It's always a great thing to have an FA Cup run, but now we've got to concentrate on the league because I suppose the club's top priority is, is getting promotion, really, isn't it? And, and looking forward to, to moving up to League One. So onward we go onto the two league fixtures that have happened since our last podcast, starting off with Cambridge, table toppers at the time. Really meaningful points to take off of a team that's above you. And Crawley didn't manage it. 3-1 they lost. Do you know what? If we look at, if, I'm going to include in this the, the following game, so the, the draw against Leighton Norwich at home as well. The way I see it, I think the, the, my overriding feeling at the moment is this has been a bit of um, a downturn in form. Okay, That's the easy way to look at it if you're just looking at the fixtures. So lost to Bournemouth after, after nine wins, uh, sorry, nine games unbeaten, amazing cup run, etc., etc., and then you lose to Bournemouth, you lose to Cambridge, both away, then you draw it home to Leighton Orient. Okay? So just that gut in, in terms of like a, that's a red for loss, red for loss, grey for draw, and green for wins. So there's no wins on there at the moment. However, if you look at it a bit more analytically, it's a loss to one of the top championship sides. It's a loss to a team that's top of the table at the time and still is top of the table. And yes, a fairly disappointing draw at home to Leighton Orient. But it isn't as bad as I think some people are making out. It does feel like a downturn. That's, you can't help that. But if you look at it a bit more closely, and yes, we did have two or three games in hand at one point, and now we're just one game in hand against the teams above us. Um, it's looking less optimistic. But we're still in such a much better position than we have been for the last few seasons. So Cambridge... Yes, 3-1 away um, loss. Disappointing to lose, of course. Um, 0-0 against Leighton Orient. 
I think John Yem said it all. That should have absolutely, absolutely been a win. Um, again, Leighton Orient, still a few places above us. So well, that, that was our chance to leapfrog them there. Um, yeah. and, and we would have moved up above them. And very frustrating because they Crawley started off wonderfully well in, in that Leighton Orient game now we're talking about. Um, penalty in the first couple of minutes. Agonisingly went against the bar. And then later on in the match, Leighton Orient go down to 10 men when they were just getting momentum and, and going on top of the match. That put them on the back foot again. Crawley had a chance to go forward. Um, didn't really capitalise on things. And I think the, the running theme on these two matches that we're talking about here is that Crawley are playing well, creating chances. They're just not converting them. Yeah. If No matter what, when you go through a full season, there are going to be phases where... You lose a few and draw a few. You have these little runs. Look at Cheltenham Town, for example. Fourth in the league at the moment. Prior to a win two games ago. They hadn't won in about six games. It was just draw, draw, lose, draw, draw, lose. Um, they're still right up there. But because they've had such a great start to the season, they're still right in it. And I think I'd still count us in that position. We've still got a game in hand. It's easy to say, it's very easy to look at a league table and say, or oh, a game in hand, that's three points. You know, you could, you could easily lose that game in hand, of course. But you take those three points and you jump yourself up the table. And if we win our game in hand, that would be 38 points. And we're three points off sort of like third, fourth position. And it's so tight. Only two points separating third and seventh at the moment. You get yourself anywhere near that mix. Only halfway through the season and we're absolutely right in it. Usually at this stage of the season, we're either mid to bottom half of the table somewhere. And we've got these wild wild dreams thing god if we actually if we win seven in a row we could be in the top 10 well, hang on right now we're 11th a game in hand we are absolutely where the last four or five years we've dreamed of being so i am still very much optimistic you get the likes of um i don't know if you read jeff thornton's column um at all in the uh, in the local rag very very depressing very much I'm focusing on the negatives. I would not invite that guy to a party whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I just think it's the wrong way to look at things. We're in a really good position. We've had a bad, not even a bad week or so. It's, it is what it is. You know what? We've played two great teams and we've lost against the team that is still above us in the league. And yes, it was at home. Yes, we should have won. But if you look at the fixtures coming up in the moment, which we will do, um, I'm really still really excited about this season as an absolute whole. And I think the playoffs are so much within our grasps. Well, if I may bring out a bit of my inner Jeff, um, just to balance what you just said, looking up the table, yeah, we're not too far away, but looking down the table, we're only five points off of 20th position. So equally, you know, you win one or two games that we have in hand over some of the teams above us, you lose those two games and the teams below you win them. We could, you know, be, be looking further down. I mean, I don't think we're going to be hitting... The relegation spots because they're they're a well you know 10 I, I, 20 I points below us but we could be looking down as well i cannot believe you brought up the r word relegation <laughs> i said we're not i said we're not looking at the relegation <laughs> even spots. even to have it in your have it in your subconscious that i quite believe um, i would be utterly astonished if we weren't in the top half of the table at the end of the season i i think it's more likely for us to be between fourth and eighth than between ninth and twelfth, honestly. Um, although Watters is gone, I think we've got a great team. Uh, there's belief there. Again, the recent results, I don't think, justify um, the way we've performed. And I think a lot of teams around are going to be afraid of us. Look at Newport, for example, seventh in the league at the moment uh, on 40 points. So just five points ahead of us. Um, three points from their last five games. And that can happen to absolutely any team. You string three or four wins in a row together and you're up there in fourth and fifth. Yeah, no, very much so. And if I might do some quick maths to try and redeem the fact that uh, I'm not all doom and gloom. About 23 games in or so, uh, 24 games at the time of recording the podcast, but for the sake of it, we'll go with 23 games because that's halfway through the season of, of 46 games. About, say, 35 points. If we just, for the sake of it, double it and, and say we're going to perform the same way that we performed in the first half of the season as we do in the last half, that puts us on 70 points-ish. And if we look back on the past five seasons of League Two, 70 points would get you around seven to, seventh to ninth in the table. Ooh. So that's just on the cusp of 
the playoffs. And given the fact that we're in the business end of, of the of the League Two season, I'd like to think that we would perform slightly better than the first half of the season because, you know, you've got that final finish line in your sights. You know what you're aiming for. You know what you can achieve now. I'd like to think that they could probably push into that promotion spot area. I believe so. And I think in John Yems, we've got a manager that will also um, be able to man manage that squad and realise our potential. I think we've we've most definitely got a squad capable of that. I don't think we're going to be in the top three automatic promotion places. Although, if you look at, look at the likes of Mansfield in 14th place, won their last five games. Prior to that, they'd only won two of their first 19 games. And now they're in 14th place, just three points behind us. The runs you can go on in this league um, are ridiculous. And you, and you see teams from the top beating the teams at the bottom, or, or vice versa, sorry. Um, I really do think anything is possible for, for the remainder of this season. And that that's sort of looking at our league then, and I think there's so much to play for. One thing I always enjoy doing after I've looked at the League One ta- uh, League Two table is having a quick look at the League One table. And I always just, I just like to see how badly AFC Wimbledon are doing. And uh, <laughs> despite our, our last week or 10 days, there's been a, a poor run in terms of... They, they've just sacked their manager, haven't they? So I presume they're not doing too well. Well, they are currently in 22nd position, just five wins out of 25. So if ever I'm feeling bad about Crawley's league position and where we potentially should be, I just have a quick look at League One and it puts a smile on my face. (laughs) There we go. There's some lockdown positivity for you all if you're ever feeling low. Have a look at where FC Wimbledon are doing. So let's um, move on to the fixtures coming up, Ewan. There's quite a lot of fixtures happening in in February. We've got six fixtures. There's a lot of Tuesday, Saturdays going on here as well. So I suppose we could be looking at some match fatigue uh, that could be coming up. A lot of players being tired and if players are out with COVID and that kind of stuff going forward, again, that could impact things. But it's a lot of bottom of the table, top of the table, bottom of the table, top of the table stuff. We're starting off with Harrogate Town this coming Weekends, newbies to League Two, recently being promoted. They're currently down there in 20th place. And then after that, we travel the following Saturday to Carlisle, who are up there in third, and also quite a long trip as well. Then to Stevenage on the Tuesday night. They are down there in 21st, just underneath Harrogate Town. And then we go to Colchester the Saturday after that. They are still down the bottom of the table, 18th. So only one point on top of Harrogate, so pretty much in the same sort of area. Again, that bottom of the table area is still pretty close-knit. And then to Grimsby, who are... I'm looking at the table now. It's also down there in 23rd in the relegation spot. So is it is, I suppose, like you're saying, quite a positive month for Crawley, potentially. I think this is a, a massive month because at the end of February... You've got two months left, and that is the crunch point of these season. So then the next six games, and I think we've already had one game in February, so that's seven games um, in 25 days. It's ridiculous, really. And this is the point where I know we've got a fairly big squad and we say, oh, let's get people off the wage book. It's actually, this is where it's going to come in handy when you need a little bit of squad rotation. So of these next six games, I think they're going to be huge. We're lucky to have, well, not lucky, we've got four at home. Those six games, we've got four at home. And they are against teams in the 20th position, 21st, 17th, and then finally Exeter, who are in eighth. So three massive games against teams in like the bottom six or seven. And then Exeter, who are currently, obviously between now and then, five games, could be massively different, but currently in eighth, just above us. Um, Massive, massive month for Crawley Town. And let's say of those next, I'm going to look at the next four games, okay? Three at home, and they are against teams in 20th, 21st, and 17th. The anomaly is away at Carlisle, who are currently third, but with two games in hand, are, you could say they're effectively top of the league as well at the moment. So if you could get, if somebody said, like, you have nine points, you could lose to Carlisle, but take nine points and have three home wins, I would absolutely bite the hand off. Because that is you then right in the mix up there. And then you've got Grimsby Town away, but currently 23rd. And then that big one versus Exeter um, on the 27th. So 
so many things going on this month. I think it could it could fall massively in Crawley's favour. Those six games, if we get, I would take four wins, a draw, and a loss all day long. I think. Um, I think that would be uh, a good return. So a loss against Carlisle, a point away at Grimsby, but win your four home games, and you are cooking going into March. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with that. I'd like to think that Crawley might go to Carlisle and steal a point um, and, and kind of um, push out a, some sort of performance in that match. But yeah, I think the home fixtures, certainly Crawley have got to be winning if, they, if they're wanting to look at potential of being promoted this season. And yeah, February, big month. If it's not a successful month, we could be looking at... Um, uh, another similar season in in League Two, sitting around mid table. But let's not think like that for now. We'll give Crawley the the chance to perform this month, and hopefully we'll be singing and dancing come the end of February, and and also singing and dancing because hopefully we'll be out of lockdown too. <laughs> I think it would be nice to do a podcast at the end of February after that sixth game or seventh game in February, um, because I think at that point we will know how likely it is that we're going to be chasing those playoff places, um, depending on the success of those next six games. More podcasts every week? The people want us, Ewan. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Got jobs to do, kids to look after, unfortunately. So we're now into February. The January transfer window has officially closed. So we're going to do a little bit of a roundup to just uh, take stock of players that have left, players that are joining. So let's start with players that have left because there's a rather big one. We have spoken about him already, um, this podcast, Max Watters to Cardiff. We spoke about this last um, podcast that uh, potentially Swansea were interested in him. We weren't too far off, Swansea Cardiff. It was between, I think it was always between the two. I'm not sure. It was definitely Swansea first. It is quite funny, isn't it? That it's like those two rivals and the other one got it. I think that is pretty good. Um, we got the numbers a bit wrong. We, we'd seen in media anywhere up to 2 million, which is a massive figure. And 1 million for Crawley Town. Still such a huge amount of money. And to turn round a player um, in, in, in that short amount of time from a free transfer to sell him for 1 million. And you've got to maybe assume that there's a, con- there's a sell-on clause in there as well, because Max could go a long way. Obviously, there's a big jump already up to Cardiff. Um, uh, great for him, great for the club, great memories. I think it's a lovely story. Um, and, and proud to have seen him in a, a, a Crawley Town shirt and absolutely all the best to him. We've got to thank him for his services. 16 goals, 13 in the league. Um, he's been so important. Gutted not to have him for the rest of the season. I think he's crucially important. I hope, I don't know if we have, but I hope we've got a squad strong enough to um, replace what we're losing by uh, letting that go. Yeah, and we'll, we'll come on to the players that have come in. But like you say, and the players just briefly looking at the ones that have come in, it could be another similar transfer philosophy again that, that Adam's going for here and that he's churning in these players from free transfers that we haven't really heard of from lower league sides and we could be seeing them going again in the summer for for I mean I, I doubt we're going to be seeing any other million pound moves I mean I'll be proven wrong if I if I may but um I I would like to hope that there's a few you know uh five figure players in there yeah and I think what Erdem said um regarding this sale was really really important he said the deal is a significant significant element to the financial survival and navigation of the football club. Crawley Town is on the right track, and this has to be a catalyst to the philosophy and structure that we are building. So for the foreseeable, Crawley Town, as we know, is a club that tries to find non-league or lower league gems, build them up, sell them on. That is how we make our money. We've only got 2,000 fans um, or, or maybe slightly less, because that's obviously including away fans as well on most gates. We have not got enough paying fans to project us to League One or the Championship, which the dream is. The only way we can do that is this philosophy of bringing in youngsters, developing them, selling them for, hopefully, and as we've just seen, really significant fees. 
So the other movements in the transfer window for leaving Crawley um, this window was Tom McGill, young goalkeeper from Brighton, recalled to Brighton. I think he was here on, on a loan move, which is you know why he's been recalled. And then Nathan Ferguson, he's been sold to Southend on an undisclosed fee. Southend currently bottom of League Two, so a step up there for Nathan. <laughs> He did score on his debut as well for Southend. They lost, they were 4-0 down at the time, but he did score on his Southend, so well done to Nathan. A, a player for me that we never saw the full potential, or maybe that's wrong, we did see the full potential, but not often enough. He had some cracking games and scored seven goals in... I didn't realise he played over 50 times for Crawley. I didn't think it was that many. And 13 times this season... I don't remember seeing him this season. To be honest. He hasn't been in the ground. That's true, but I, I just don't. I don't remember him doing anything significant at all. Um, and that's a shame because when he when he did play well, he played absolutely fantastic. I remember last seeing him watching play, and he had some great performances. Um, but unfortunately, didn't do it often enough to to maintain a sort of a regular squad place. Good luck at Southend. I would love to know what the fee was. I'd <laughs> love to know what the. I wonder if it was just like. 10 grand or 50 grand or just something just sort of like um almost like a token gesture but um yeah good luck to nathan um genuinely hope he does well there it must have been enough to make uh those on the board to you know decide that that's a enough of a profit for a player that they brought in um because yeah, nathan's a good player and it's not just some pennies in the bank for the sale it is getting potentially i don't know somewhere between 500 and 1500 quid a week off the wage bill as well. And at the moment, as we know, every single penny counts. And then the final player I've got on the list is leaving is Doherty on a loan to Colchester for the remainder of the season. Thoughts on that? Um, another player who showed signs of definitely progress over the time he's been with us. Did you know he's played over 100 times for Crawley? That doesn't surprise me because he has been a solid in, in Crawley's defence for a long time and, until obviously the recent shake-up. Yeah, they got better and better and better. And there were certainly times when you wished you had a better replacement for that position. But do you know what? He held his job. He has become a good footballer. Over 100 appearances. Again, a player that we're sort of grateful to have. And he has not left as such. Of course, it is a loan. Whether we'll see him back in a red shirt, who knows? Um, but again, it's another one where it's, it's it's another wage you're not paying, or at least in full, hopefully. So moving on to transfers coming into Crawley, this uh, January transfer window, I think technically it's six, even though when we talk about the players, they some of them, like Mark Wright, were training with the club before. But uh, I think people like Josh Wright and, and such, you know, have to be all signed within the transfer window because they're coming from other clubs and that, and that kind of stuff. So I've included six as, as their players who have joined the club in the recent um, kind of uh, time period. So the Wright brothers, Josh Wright, Mark Wright, Josh Wright on a two and a half year deal. Mark Wright, I think, is on non-contract kind of terms. Yeah, not really sure what that means, to be honest. I think that means he could literally leave at any time. He's not even got like a two month contract. It's just almost like a, a not a rolling daily contract, but I, I, I'm guessing there's not too much stipulated in... Like a sim-only plan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you know. They, <laughs> still do, they do still do, so they yeah. yeah, I've, I've got one now with Gifgaf. <laughs> Give you a little code. Get £5 for me, £5 for you. <laughs> Stuart Nelson, the goalkeeper, sees his contract extended to the end of the season. You and you've got a little um, nugget of insight into this, I think. Oh, no, that was only really because that, that was um, announced on the same day that Tom McGill was recalled. So I don't know if it was in the plans of the club when Stuart Nelson joined to extend it any further. I think it was more of a reaction that if Tom goes and Stuart Nelson's contract ended as well as it was meant to, we're left again just with Glenn Morris. I mean, it's a bit unfair to say just Glenn Morris is the best goalkeeper in the league. But of course, you need a backup for injuries and things. So, um, And Stuart's yeah. played a few times for us as well. Yeah, he joined the club in November and I think he played the first game he was available uh, Harrogate Town at home, I think, wasn't it? Or uh, away, possibly. Um, and then in the Papa John's against Ipswich where he got a clean sheet and one other, which I don't recall. I think maybe in the 6-5 uh, victory in the FA Cup he came on. That sounds possible, yes. Yeah, but I'm not going to write it in stone. But... <laughs> 
So James Tilley, midfielder, two and a half year deal through Brighton's youth system he came through, 22 years old. I suppose another young player really that Crawley are going to be looking to develop and, and potentially sell on going forward. I always, when you know they've been on loan a couple of times, and I know a lot of players do, but at Grimsby he's been on loan to Cork and Yeovil Town, who are of course um, league below. But we're used to that, and I, I kind of, I really do trust Erdem and Co now to to find these players that are playing at lower leagues, and be players capable of coming straight into League Two and playing competitively. Um, so we'll we'll look forward to um, seeing him in a red shirt. Two and a half year deal though. Hmm. Jordan Maguire-Drew, attacking midfielder, on loan from Leighton Orient. There's been a few Leighton Orient deals. Josh Wright also coming from there too. But just a loan deal for, for Maguire-Drew. Um, I suppose just shoring up shoring up the ranks until the, the end of the season, really, for Crawley. Yeah, so like Tilly, also um, come through the Brighton youth system. Played for Dagenham and Redbridge. Lincoln City, Coventry City and Wrexham all on loan again before moving permanently to the O's in early 2019. 58 appearances, 12 goals. That's nice. I like that. And then final one I've got on the list is David Rodari. Well, he's born in Switzerland and of Italian and Dutch descent. So it's got to be David or whatever it might be. But um, signs from Hastings, another one on a two and a half year deal with an additional two-year option. What do they see in this Rodari? Clearly something quite special. Uh, joined Hastings in February 2017, where he's caught the eye of both Yems and Erdem Konya. Yeah, so I suppose only time will tell with uh, with these players coming in, being so young and, and, and coming from, I suppose, relatively unproven backgrounds for this kind of level. Do you know, it's it's always, with, with, all, with almost all of our signings, it's so hard to say. I mean, I remember when we signed, I think it was, was it Sarula and Watters on the same day? And it was just like, meh, I wonder if they'll be any good. And now you're like a million quid and Sarula is showing his class as well. So in six months, we might go, David Rodari, oh, what do you reckon he's going to go for? One, two million? Don't know. Um, you've, you've just got, that's and that's, that keeps it quite exciting because you've absolutely no idea of all these players that we sign that you've never heard of, which ones are going to go on to be the absolute stars. So we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, good to see players coming in. Um, again, I'd love to see our wage, but I can't imagine any of these players are earning too much because we have got a lot of numbers. But uh, good luck to them all. And hopefully we've got a squad now that can see us into those um, top seven places. You know, the feeling I get from this, um, I don't know whether... Maybe this is a bit beyond your time. I don't know. Apologies if it is or isn't. Um, but match attacks, as as a youngster collecting those cards, getting a pack, opening them, not knowing whether you have a shiny in there or not, makes me kind of feel with these crawly transfers. You you get a load of players and you get a pack in. You don't know what you're going to get until you uh, you know open them, see what you've got. <laughs> see, you you say match attacks, I say panini. Okay, uh, panini. Yeah, we had shootout uh, cards as well. I think first is where I started okay. with shootout cards. Yeah, I think I was about 26 when Match Attacks came out. <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, I, I remember very vividly, I've still, I've literally got it in a drawer near me somewhere, the 94-95 season Premier League Panini sticker album. And that is the only one I think I actually completed. Um, so yeah, I know the, I know exactly what you're saying. You've no idea what you're going to get. You hope one of them is, um, is a rare shiny. Um, but there, there's always a couple of duds in there as well, isn't there? There's always a Paul Parker or something like that. <laughs> one of them is going to be a fairly, a fairly disappointing one. But yeah, you, you hope for the best, of course. We're talking about rare shinies. We haven't had this in a while, Ewan. Broadfield Buzz, an absolute gem. Shall we, <laughs> shall we dive into this? Let's, let's, do a little, let's do a little jingle, then we'll dive into it. Yes, thank you. I think it was worthy of a jingle. It's been quite some time since we've had an actual proper Broadfield Buzz. I must say, there's not a lot going on at the moment, so I haven't got a lot of content, but I'll make it as exciting as I possibly can, Jonathan. And then hopefully at the end of uh, February in our next podcast, we got a little bit more. Right, so the first one I have. Did you watch the Mark Wright documentary, episode three? I did. Oh, wait, sorry, not, not episode three. I've watched, is there any, is there any two episodes? Or is there three episodes? No, there's a, the... Th well, let's go back. Well, the third one is all about the Leeds game. Uh, no, I've not watched that one. Though. I've only watched the first two episodes. Okay, fine. 
So, um, have you seen the third episode? No, Ewan. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I say it like that. I feel like I'm at school being told off. Uh, have what, you done what, your homework? What is the right answer? <laughs> the right answer is yes. Of course, I watched it when it was first released because episode three is all about pretty much the 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 days before and the build up to the Leeds game and in the changing room afterwards. And that was him. No. <laughs> That the, the story has all been about him coming back to making his professional debut. And of course, the Lee's game was it. So that is effectively, it's built up to this crescendo. It's only like 15 minute episodes, but it's built up to this crescendo. And that's it. He's finally made his pro debut. But I'm sure that the season is going to, uh, the episodes are going to continue as in how successful that becomes. I'm fairly certain that that Leeds game isn't going to be a one-off and there will be more at least substitute appearances for him, especially over the next six games where we need a bit of squad rotation um, and we're playing four teams that hopefully we're going to get some half-decent wins against and he can come on for the last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever that might be. Can I see him starting a game? If we're struggling to fill the front 11, maybe, um, I think he's always going to be a squad rotation player coming off the bench, but we'll wait and see. A Lewis um, Young type player, you might say. Um, <laughs> I wasn't offended you there by saying that. <laughs> I, I'm trying not to be offended, um, but no doubt in the last sort of six months of Lewis's, um, I'm going to say his playing career, I know he's still a player, but obviously more of a management side of mm. things now. Um, yeah, he, he's a player that's there when you need him or can fill a couple of positions um, off the bench. As we know, Lewis could play um, both wing backs in midfield. He could be a striker. Um, he was an all-round marvel of a player, Lewis Young, and he's, he's somebody I rate very, very highly. <laughs> you're, you're, smiling, you're smiling very politely at that comment as well. Um, so anyway, that's a tangent, Jonathan. So I'm coming back to the Mark Wright documentary. So there's been three episodes. They did actually, out after the Leeds game, a few days after, they did actually show all three in one go in a 45-minute sort of like um, bumper episode. And I watched it all again through, and it's it's a it's a really good story. That he's such a nice guy, and you you cannot help but want him to do well. Um, and of course, it brings attention to the club. Of course, there's a little bit of sort of media spin in it, um, but hey let's take all the attention we can get. I think it's a really positive thing for him and the club. And I really hope that the story just continues. The more the more exposure we get on BBC, whether it's Mark Wright and Crawley in the background, I don't really care. Um, any exposure for sponsors particularly, is, I think is really, really good for the club. A wonderfully shot documentary series as well by the BBC, if I, I might say so myself. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's not, it's not, it, let's be honest, it's not talk of the time, but it's all right. <laughs> Um, the next piece, and I've only really got three, to be honest. The next piece, my, one of my favourite bits of social media interactions over the last couple of weeks has most definitely been, it was very short, but it was sweet, is um, Erdem Konya, I'm going to say, versus Hakan Heretin, <laughs> the uh, Maidstone manager. Now, you're giggling, so I, I know what you know what this is about. For those that aren't on Twitter, because I don't think it got much further than Twitter, uh, maybe on the forum and things, but, um, they didn't take it outside to uh, to have a chat and, and sort it out like real men. No, no, this was literally just done via um, uh, keyboards. But it, it, it started. It was the Kent Online or the the I'm going to call it the Kent Observer, the sort of the equivalent of the Crawley Observer. Now they um, after Max Watters went to Cardiff for one million, the Hakan Heriton, the Maidstone United manager claimed that Crawley didn't have a clue who Cardiff City new boy Max Waters was. And he deserved credit for identifying and maybe possibly sort of bringing on a little bit Max Waters as well. So I'm just going to read a little bit from um, Kent Online. So Heriton believes Maidstone deserves some credit for the Max Waters move to the championship. Waters joined Cardiff yesterday in a deal worth up to £1 million after scoring 16 goals in 19 games for League Two Crawley this season. The Sussex Club Sussex Club are in the money, but Heriton says they didn't have a clue who the 21-year-old was before he lined up against them for Maidstone in a pre-season friendly. Well, I'll stop there, because that, of course, and until you've seen a player or heard of him, then of course you don't know who most people are in the, in the lower leagues, you moron. 
Um, he'd been due to sign a contract with Maidstone United, but Crawley liked what they saw in the first 45 minutes Watters played and snapped him up. Well, that's just good business. That's clever. That's talent spotting. Again, moron. Watters ended last season on loan at the Gallagher Maidstone Stadium and was a free agent after Doncaster um, released him in the summer. Quote here from Herritin. Dagenham and Bromley didn't see anything in him when he went out on trial. So he came back and, and when I said we'd do a deal, within a day he'd gone to Crawley. So this idiot who thinks he spotted some gem in non-league has already sent him off on loan to Dagenham and Bromley. So he clearly didn't spot the talent that he's suggesting he did. Otherwise, he wouldn't put him on loan and he'd give him a decent contract, okay? So, also, when they say he wants credit for it, is he looking for, like, a, a little line in the newspaper or is he looking for a bit of a cut of the £1 million? Well, he can dream on, can't he? He can absolutely <laughs> dream on. Um, and he said, maybe if we offered him a little bit more money at the start of the season, he'd have signed for us, but that's financial constraints from COVID and I understand that. Good luck to the lad. He was very nearly eye player. I identified him. I brought him to the club last season. The truth is Crawley didn't identify him. It was me. But Crawley have reaped the rewards of that with his goals and now the financial rewards. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I identified this star and then I sent him on loan with trials at Dagenham and Bromley as well. And if um, I thought he was such a big star, surely I would have signed him up to a contract with some sort of buyout clause written into it. It's it's just madness. <laughs> and quite rightly so, Erdem Konya came back with... Credit for what? You had him for five league games and still didn't and still looked to trial him in the summer. So in five league games and training, you couldn't spot what John Yems and Lee spotted in 45 minutes. I think this highlights a genuine inability to spot potential. He's the same guy who released Jack Powell as well. Um, and I think that might have been Erdem's most liked tweet ever. Got almost 100 likes, that one. Wow. Um, and uh, that, that's how he left it as well. Um, and I don't think there was there, there's no comeback from that either, is there? <laughs> um, clearly, just I don't. Maybe the paper didn't have much to write about, and they sort of um, squeezed out those quotes somehow from or misinterpreted some. But I think the there is some genuine um, annoyance from Herriton. I think that's how you say his name anyway. That he, he felt he deserved a little bit of credit, but clearly, clearly he doesn't deserve any credit at all because he didn't spot the potential, didn't give him a big contract. And let him go and try elsewhere as well. Well, we love a good Twitter spat, don't we? There you go. Um, and the final thing on Broadfield Buzz, it's something close to my heart because of the job I did for a fairly long time at the club. And it's just about new sponsors and things, really. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, only since the last podcast, a couple of new sponsors and a couple of extensions. The first one I like, they've got a sponsor for Talk of the Town. And the sponsor is Mr. D. Clutter. <laughs> what, what I gather is, quite simply, if you've got a loom room full of rubbish or an office full of rubbish or just untidy, they'll go in and just sort of declutter it for you. So I can't imagine that sponsorship is particularly lucrative, but I know, and I've been in Joe's position, um, and not in a position, of course, where it's been so desperate as enduring COVID and no fans, etc., but it, it's always nice to get any new sponsors on. Um, and I think in the background of Talk of the Town at Home Games, um, there's a really nice sort of um, logo on the glass as well. So they, they've done it really, really nicely for them. I think that was really impressive. Um, also, delighted to welcome on Pure Seafood on board as the latest sponsor of the club. Um, so they are part of the Oyster Company, been doing seafood for 110 years. Uh, apparently the freshest seafood available in Sussex and Surrey. They've got a hoarding outside, uh, out on the pitch and also they're going to be advertising on the roundabout out at um, obviously at the club entrance. That roundabout gives me such, such anxious and terrifying memories, I cannot tell you. Um, there is a, I might have told this story before, but that, that roundabout... Um, for the first sort of four years I was working there, it was my job um, after games on a Monday, go put the new fixture out there. And it was just magnetic panels chucked up in yellow. On the, and it's still the way we do it now because it's the easiest way to do it. But I used to do it 90% of the time on my own. Sometimes Alan Williams uh, would come and help me and then the later days Bruce as well. 
only if it was good weather. But I remember being out there in winter with my winter coat on, nobody supporting the ladder. And there was this big ladder, because it's quite high up to the top, a good few metres. And the ladder actually having quite bright yellow stickers on it saying, do not use. <laughs> I was out there in winter on my own and propping up against that sign and wind blowing against it, people hooting their horns as they come past. Um, terrifying. Uh, Crawley Town are delighted to note that the Elliot Scott Group were the official sleeve sponsors of the fourth round FA Cup tie. That's always nice. Now, anyway, you can get money. They they never did that in my day. You can have a like a sleeve sponsor. That's really really good. And finally, Kogo, our IT support and cyber security specialists, have extended their contract with the club as well. So, uh, well done to Joe, all those sponsors and the club, of course. Um, always nice to see where we can extra extra pennies coming into the bank again. Yeah, always really great to see new sponsors coming and joining the club, especially during um, during COVID. I feel like, if anything, Joe deserves another sort of a round of applause for his extra hard work in getting people to join the club during this time too. I mean, undoubtedly the second greatest commercial manager in the club's history. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that for, for one second. Well, thanks so much, Ewan. Wonderful Broadfield buzz as ever, even though you slightly down-talked it before we started at the beginning there, but always wonderful to have a little bit of a story time and hear things which are going on uh, at the club, off the pitch. Um, anything else to add as we kind of head into added time and close this podcast off? Um, not really, just if I was going to say added time, just keep your eye on the club website, of course. there um, There's going to be a few rearranged um fixtures of course with everything that's going on the latest one which was actually just announced um today as we're speaking which is um thursday the Morecambe game is now going to be second of march kickoff six six thirty p.m that's a strange time but uh yeah lot, lots of games sort of being um played at different times than we're ever used to but now you can because it doesn't really affect fans too much um, but keep your eye on the website for any updates and things for sure. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 26 of the Straight Red podcast. As always, please do leave your comments and thoughts on Twitter, on SoundCloud. Let us know what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy. We'll do our best to get another episode out for you soon. But Ewan, thanks so much again. And um, hopefully we'll be back chatting about the Reds uh, in the not so distant future. Oh, cheers, Jonathan. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.